Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back and better than ever, our eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary and tune in. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. Welcome into a brand new edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, here with my co-host, the beat writer for Sports Illustrated for the Panthers beat, Skylar Callahan. Skylar, what's up, man? How you doing? Not doing too bad. It was an interesting weekend in the NFL, and obviously Panthers get their first loss, but plenty to talk about and no panic button just yet. Exactly. And uh, I, I, I've been saving this rant I, the past couple of weeks. I've been going on and on about the Panther fan base and yesterday made me explode. So I've been saving this rant for this podcast. We'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, the Panthers on the losing side uh, for the first time in 2021, uh, losing to uh, the Dallas Cowboys on the road. 36 to 28 was your final. Carolina drops to three and one on the season. Uh, and as we typically do, uh, at the beginning of our podcast here, each and every week, we go through our three takeaways from the game. Uh, before we get into that, though, did want to mention the promotion that's still running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so it sounds like it's pretty much worth it. Again, head to balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE at checkout to get in on the promotion. Um go get that product. It, it sounds like it's a really good uh, alkaline supplement that uh, can help you rejuvenate and replenish your body. So let's uh let's dive into this Panthers Cowboys uh, Sunday at 1 p.m. on Fox. The Panthers uh, losers for the first time this season, but I don't know if I can really call them losers. I don't really believe in moral victory, Skyler, but uh, this may be based on what we went through last year. I kind of left this loss not feeling as bad as I normally do. I'm going to let you start off with your first takeaway from this. Uh, you know, having been there and uh, you're, you're knee deep and covering the Panthers themselves in terms of the press conferences and whatnot. What was the what was the first takeaway you took from this uh, Panthers versus Cowboys game? Well, you put you put the first one on a tee for me, and it's it's exactly what you were just alluding to there, and that's the the effort that they that they put on display in the second half. And you know, I, I know the third quarter was was obviously a disaster. They got outscored twenty to nothing, and it even carried into the fourth early, early portion of the fourth quarter that field goal. But down twenty two in the fourth quarter on the road, you've got back to back interceptions. The, the team could have completely just imploded. And I think at times last year that could have been the case. But this is a completely different team, and it's a whole different attitude. You can just see it in this team. 
when it was 36 to 14, for some reason I, I had this weird feeling that they were going to come back into this game. And it kind of reminded me of the Chiefs game a year ago where they played mm-hmm. them tight and then they kind of blew it open and then they came back at the end. And I felt like they were going to have a chance to win the game because Sam Darnold is a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. And that's who they had in that situation last year. And I felt like the defense was much improved and they were going to have an opportunity to get off the field if they absolutely had to. They just weren't able to do that. But I love the fight, the resiliency of this team. And again, as much as 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 much things that went Dallas's way, whether it be the ball bouncing their way, that just controlling the line of scrimmage, uh, certain calls going their way, uh, <laughs> that, that we all know what I'm talking about here. Oh but, yeah, <laughs> but uh, all that stuff combined, they were still able to con- continue to fight to the very end of the whistle, and I, I think that's a positive sign. Let's actually, before I even go to my first takeaway, let's actually address that elephant in the room right there. Because I, I saw some, uh, not Panther fans, but fans of other teams, they were expecting Panther fans to use that particular play as an excuse to, as to why they lost. It happened early in the first, well, in the first half, uh, Jeremy Chin uh, textbook tackle. Um, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, on the title, like lifted him up uh, by his butt and everything. And th- the call itself was that forward progress was halted. And if you look at the replay, yes, forward progress was halted. It was halted by Jeremy Chin running into his chest. <laughs> I mean, like, like I, I didn't understand why they were why they were calling it like that. Usually, you have that call when there's like a pile and like no one's gone down or somebody's in the grasp or something like that. This dude just got stuck squarely in the chest, got lifted up, and in the replay, you can see the ball coming out well before he hits the ground. Uh, the Cowboys actually had two plays like that on that drive, I believe, where. The, the first one, it looked like the guy was down. But just to have another one just like that in the same drive, it kind of kept it going. And then the Cowboys ultimately scored a touchdown on that. It did kind of feel like, okay, that was a uh, one of those, oh, we're playing on the road type things. But to the Panthers' credit, and this is my first takeaway, I love the fact, like you said, they didn't give up. Uh, if this, I, I hate to say because I love Ron Rivera to death, but if this was a Ron Rivera coach team, they probably would have folded at this point when, when in the third quarter when the Cowboys is literally – blitzed uh the panthers on the scoreboard score like 20 unanswered i've seen ron rivera panther coach teams that basically just you know are waiting for the final horns to get the bus you know and this team didn't they're missing their best player they were missing a couple secondary guys uh the cowboys were blitz well they weren't blitzing they were just in the backfield all day uh hampering sam darnold yet somehow he was able in the fourth quarter to kind of lead them to within striking distance some of that, I think it was the Cowboys letting off the gas, and they need to watch that. They're going to be a elite team in the NFC. They can't do that. There's too many good teams over here. But um, the, the Cowboys did what they had to do to win that game, and they play, I thought they played very well. Uh, I thought I was going to come into it going, ah, oh, they didn't deserve it and that kind of thing. I can't say anything bad about this Cowboy team. They're, they're actually built very well, and they drafted very well on defense. Micah Parsons and uh, uh, the cornerback Diggs, uh, man, they have re- reformed this Cowboy defense, and they're going to be a problem in the next couple of months in the NFC. But that was my first takeaway. This ca- this Panther team did not fold on the road versus a formidable team like the Cowboys. Yeah, and I think also, too, it, it, what, it also goes to show that this is still the youngest team in the NFL. And right. you have a team that young, typically when, when adversity hits, especially for the first time because – you know, this is week. This was week four, and they had not seen any sign of adversity till that point, until this week. 
and for them to overcome that battle back and, and have a chance to, to be in it at the end says a lot. My, my second takeaway uh, was Sam Darnold. You know, I know a lot of people are going to say he threw the two picks. They were bad decisions. I get that. The first one uh, where he threw the ball a little behind Robbie Anderson, he climbed up in the pocket, just didn't really get his feet set from what I saw. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and watch the all 22 to see exactly what happened. But the, the second interception I thought was just a really good play by Diggs. I mean, he jumped the route perfectly. DJ Moore didn't really come back aggressively towards the ball enough, I don't think. Again, I'm going to have to go back and watch and see. But, I mean, Sam Darnold, he is the reason why they even had a chance in the end anyways. Yeah. I mean, along with DJ Moore, obviously. But he is a gamer, and that's what I love about Sam Darnold. He is competitive. You never you never have the feeling with Sam Darnold, at least I haven't yet in the first four weeks, that you're really ever out of the ball game because he's got an, a, a, such a, a unique ability to – either, you know, run the football, pass the ball. And how about this, Desmond? Through the first four weeks, he's the leading rusher (laughs) with touchdowns in five. I mean, I don't know if anybody predicted that. But, you know, say what you want about Sam Darnold. I know some people are still not sold on him, but I, I, I think the world of him so far through four weeks, I think he's done a really good job. I'm sold on Sam. Uh, he's what I kind of hoped he would be when they brought him in. Wasn't sure if he was going to be that, but he's pre- basically been everything that I was hoping he'd be and then some. I wouldn't expect him the wheels. Uh, I wouldn't expect yeah. him to be able to <laughs> – like they do this little thing where they do like a little fake jet, jet sweep and make everybody go to the left, and he just runs to the right. And uh, they did a little variation of it uh, on Sunday where it was almost like a, a RPO where he could pitch it to the, the running back. He kind of faked the pitch. And then just cut it right up and went into the end zone untouched. And I'm like, man, you look like Cam Newton now. You're actually looking better than Cam Newton out here at the goal line. It's crazy. They, uh, didn't he have something a record or something? They said that he's the, the the first to do it or something when in terms of rushing TDs in the first couple of games. And I was like, yeah. wow, Cam Newton, Steve Young, Michael Vick, none of those guys ever ever did this. This is wild. Damn, it's Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, the, the crazy thing is. You know, I know it's still very early. There's still a lot left to be said about what he's going to be for Carolina. But the the early results from what I've seen from him, he kind of looks like a – I know some people are going to get a little outlandish about this, but I think he kind of resembles a like a Josh Allen. He's got yeah. a strong enough arm. He reads defenses fairly well. And he's got the ability to, to, to make plays with his feet. He's not going to be a Kyler Murray, but he – Josh Allen kind of has that same thing. He's he's not going to blow you away with his speed, but he can run the ball. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, they're trained together. They're friends. Uh, I thought I read yeah. something earlier in the in the offseason of uh, people asking Josh Allen about uh, Sam and what he's going to do. And Josh was like, you know, he's a good friend of mine. I think he's going to be great in Carolina. We train together. Yeah, so I see him every day. And uh, so far, that prophecy's come uh, true, the Panthers being 3-1. My second takeaway, now this is going to veer towards the negative side, but uh, they got to fix the the left side of the offensive line at least. Uh, yeah. Cam Irvin ain't it. <laughs> I mean, they, they've given him every opportunity. I got into a back and forth. Again, Skyler, I made the mistake of going on the social media right after uh, a, a Panther game. Win or lose, I've learned I'm just not going to do that anymore because no matter what, people are going to complain about something. And uh, someone was complaining that, oh, we could have had Rashawn Slater and then we could have went and drafted Asante Samuel Jr. in the second and things would have been fixed. I'm like, in hindsight, it's great to say that. There's no way to know the board would have laid out that way if that's what we had decided to do. And 
there's no way to tell that Slater would be playing as well as he's playing in San Diego in Carolina. You know, like it's just different. So you can't really play that game. But I decided to argue back and forth for this guy until I realized what I was doing. And I was like, I'm not wasting my Sunday afternoon with you. And I kind of left the conversation. But it got me thinking. Can't, I went back a little bit and watched the uh, the game recap. And Cam Irvin, there was some moments where it looked like he had never played professional football before. Like he was just out there on an island by himself. I want to see Brady Christensen. I don't think they have much to lose getting him some snaps on first string this week. But uh, I think Cam Irvin's had his chance to kind of prove he could be the, the left tackle and did not do as well against Dallas, who did not blitz as much as people might think they did in that game. They just got there on their, their front four, really, which was really impressive to me. But uh, that's my second takeaway. The offensive line is the weak link of this team. And until they – I don't know what they can do in season, but until they resolve the offensive line, that's going to keep Carolina from joining the group of elite teams out there like Tampa Bay. And I'm, I'll put this Cowboys team in there. Uh, the Cardinals, I think you could put in there after their showing yesterday against the Rams. Uh, I'd leave the Rams in there as well. But all those teams have good offensive lines. And uh, this Panther team, as it stands right now, does not. It's kind of piecemeal. So I'd love – I'd love it if next draft they just draft all seven offensive linemen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's something. I mean, they've done it before. If they, if it happened, like, hey, the Panthers should draft all offensive linemen in this draft this year. They clearly, it. I mean, they're clearly they're clearly above doing things uh, status quo. So uh, I don't know if there's a trade out there uh, in season that could help them on the offensive line. I don't know if the answer is on the roster either. So that that's one of my concerns. And that's my second takeaway. Yeah, mine's almost the exact same. Um, so I'll kind of echo that. I mean, yeah, you, I think really for Carolina, you're not. I don't. I don't think you're going to see Scott Fitter make a trade as as much as they need the help. I just don't think that they're willing to give up even more draft capital uh, to to be able to make a move like that in season. And I think this is something that they're going to take into the off season and have a heavy focus on, whether it's through the draft, free agency. Maybe they make a deal in the offseason, but I don't think they're really really going to make a move right now because, one, they don't want to trade that draft capital. Two, I don't think there's anybody on the roster that they're really willing to give up to get a, a top-tier guy, or maybe not even a top-tier guy, but an improvement over Cameron Irving. It's going to take a little bit more than what they would like. So, yeah, I mean, that that's a big, big problem. We kind of knew that coming into the season too. But, yeah. um, but what I will say, I guess uh, this could be my third point, is – I think the Panthers are ahead of schedule, and I know it, it's hard to, to really believe that when they came off a loss where they allowed 245 yards rushing and Sam Donald threw two picks and they were down by 22 in the fourth quarter, but they are ahead of schedule, and I say that because you look at the pieces they have. They're the youngest team in the NFL. They've got a ton of uh, playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, they lost to the Cowboys, who may have the best offense in the National Football League, mm-hmm. and, and the Panthers didn't even have Christian McCaffrey. They just traded their their top tight end four days before the game. And you talk about the injuries on the offensive line, the defense without J.C. Horn, Yitor Grossmatos. I mean, there's so many things that went against that team, and they still had a chance to win three and one through four games. I think that's a heck – of a start for Carolina. I think a lot of fans will take that before the start of the year. They're ahead of schedule in terms of, I guess, my expectations for what this year could be. 
Yeah, I agree. And this is one of the first seasons in a long time where I came into the season with zero expectations. I didn't usually I'm the one that'll predict, you know, the divisions and Carolina will be a wild card or win the conference or whatever. And this year I intentionally went into the entire season with no expectations whatsoever with the Carolina Panthers simply because we didn't know what we had. You know, we've never we had never seen Sam Darnold in a Panther uniform. We, we hadn't seen these coaches interact with the players like a regular team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so like I, I felt weird saying, oh, the Panthers can make the wild card or the Panthers can do this or they won't make the playoffs because I really didn't know what we had. My third takeaway after watching uh, that football game, after four games played, everyone in the league's played four games except for the Raiders and um, I forgot how they're playing. They're playing uh, the Chargers uh, on Monday Night Football. After four games, so the whole league's pretty much relatively even, even after that offensive explosion that the Cowboys had on Sunday against the, the Panthers' defense, the Panthers' defense right now still ranks third overall in yards per game. They still rank second overall in yards per game in passing. And even after giving up almost 250 yards rushing yesterday or Sunday, the Panthers, they rank 10th in rushing. Uh, they're still third in points allowed at 16.5. And that's after allowing 35 plus uh, to the Cowboys on Sunday, 30, 36. So, I mean, I think people need to slow down a little bit about the whole uh, this defense is overrated or anything like that. I didn't see a whole lot from the national media about that. Actually, most of the narrative, and we kind of knew this was going to happen. If the Cowboys won, it was going to be about how great the Cowboys were. If the Cowboys lost, it was going to be about what's wrong with the Cowboys. Right. It it was never going to be Carolina's 4-0. Again, I remember 2015, we were the worst 8-0 team, 10-0 team of all time, according to the national media. So um, looking at the stats, uh, Jay-Z has a great quote, men lie, women lie. Numbers don't lie. And the numbers basically show this Panther team through a quarter of the season. It's one of the top defenses in the league. Uh, they've played a variety of teams, some with rookie quarterbacks, some with good offensive lines like uh, New Orleans, uh, some teams that are offensively loaded like Dallas. And through it all, if you just kind of take a measuring stick, a median of what they've done, they're they're playing better than any defense I've seen in Carolina probably since 2015. Uh, they're, they're doing really well. Now, they got blitzkrieg with uh, the return of Ohio State Zeke on Sunday. Uh, I haven't seen Zeke Elliott run like that since before he got the bag a couple of years ago. Uh, but they were opening up holes. Um, Zach Martin might be the most valuable offensive lineman in all of football. When he's in, the Dallas offensive line becomes like the superhero. Open up three holes. You take your choice. <laughs> you know, like these massive, huge holes that me or you could run through. And Zeke is slimmed down. Uh, he had some bursts on Sunday. I wasn't used to seeing this Panther defense getting gashed in the run game. It was kind of their calling card. And to see Zeke and Tony Pollard kind of tear it apart on Sunday made me go, okay, it's not that the Panthers defense isn't that good. These guys, the Cowboys, are really good. And if it wasn't for – who do they play week one? Was it Tampa? Uh, Yeah, Tampa. Yeah, and, they, and they lost on a field goal at the end. Isn't that right? Then they lose at the very end. No, no, no. Uh, they left Tom Brady with like a minute and 30 seconds on the clock. To get, yeah, and they lost in the field goal. If it wasn't for that, this Dallas Cowboys team is 4-0. You yeah. know, if, if they if they had did some clock management right and not left the GOAT with a minute and a half to get in field goal range, then uh, we're talking about a 4-0 team right now with a really a top-ranked defense. I mean, excuse me, top-ranked offense probably. It looks like they're fourth overall in yards per game and stuff, but uh, they're right up there at the leaders on offense. So I'm not worried about the defense for Carolina at all. Uh, that was my, my last takeaway. 
Yeah, I mean, th- th- I think what people need to understand too is I think when a, a good offense goes up against a really good defense, typically, I, I, at least from my experiences that I've seen, the offense usually tip- has the upper advantage, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's just because they have the playmakers that maybe that defense hasn't seen before. But, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that was the best offense the Panthers have seen. And that may be the, the best offense they'll see all year. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Tampa Bay's got a good offense. But, I mean, Dallas is just – they've got it all. I mean, they're they're complete up front. They've got a deep wide receiving core. They've got really good tight ends, good backs, a hell of a quarterback. Like, I, I'm, I'm a guy that usually is not sold on Dallas when they get off to a good start because we've seen this same story and dance before, and it's always the same result. But this year, it just feels a little different. It, it does feels, feel different, yeah. It, it feels like Dak Prescott is the heart and soul of this team. With him back healthy, it seems like he can legitimately take this team to a Super Bowl. Isn't it time for us to start considering Dak an elite quarterback? I mean, I, I think really before this, that, but yeah, yeah I, I feel like the national media is finally giving him his just due. It was almost like they were waiting to see how he came back from that horrific injury last year, but he was balling out before like during that like before that injury he was on pace for like six thousand yards or something crazy last year when he got hurt uh he's not thrown at that clip and again a testament to the panthers defense dak was completing like close to 80 percent of his passes coming into this game and the the panthers defense did not allow him to do that and in fact he had to rush a lot to get some passes out a testament to the talent on the dallas team uh they didn't even have like uh michael gallup their third wide receiver um Lael Collins, they didn't have him. They were missing dudes themselves. So, like, when they get some people back, they're going to be a serious problem in the NFC. And I'm just kind of looking around. Tampa's got issues running the ball. And, of course, the quarterback is 44. Um, I'm trying to think of something. Green Bay, maybe have, they maybe they've righted the ship a little bit there uh, after winning uh, yesterday. Uh, the Rams, I'm still not completely sold on them yet. I'm really not sold on Arizona either, to be honest. It might be Dallas, and their division is horrible. <laughs> the NFC East is horrible, and luckily, we get to play the NFC East uh, this season. Matter of fact, our next game, which we can get into the preview right now, Sunday, 1 p.m. on Fox, the Philadelphia Eagles will come to Bank of America Stadium, a, a two-game homestead that the Panthers will have here. I thought I saw, Skyler, that uh, the Panthers will open as a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I think I also saw, too, that uh, Sunday, October 17th might be the target gate uh, date for Mr. Christian McCaffrey to return when they play the Vikings at home. Uh, but of course that's a wait and see type of thing. What's um after seeing the Panthers for four straight games now and seeing them finally lose in the fashion they did. Uh, what are your thoughts going into this game versus the Eagles and uh, quarterback Jalen hurts? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game because again, we haven't seen this team really face adversity until this past Sunday. Now, as Jermaine Carter said today in his in his press conference, the blood's in the water now. So now every team knows the game plan. They know, you know, some things got exposed on Sunday. So now it's how do they react? Because those teams like Philadelphia, they're gonna try and attack the Panthers the same exact way that Dallas did. So can they can they right the ship? Can they fix those mistakes that they had on Sunday? Or is it now gonna be a, a problem for Carolina? So I mean, from what I've seen so far, Phil Snow is is a really good adjuster. He knows exactly what buttons to press at the right time. Didn't necessarily happen on Sunday, but now that, you know, sometimes when you lose a game, 
you kind of learn more from those games because you know what you need to get better at. In the games that you win and you do really good, it kind of it kind of just it looks kind of foggy because everything just looks as if you were dominating when that may not be the case. So I think they're going to learn a whole lot about themselves this week when they watch the film and they see what they did right, what they did wrong. I think they're going to come back. They'll bounce back strong. I don't know if they're going to cover that spread, but I do expect them to win. And I think I, I don't think that I could see Philadelphia strolling into the Bank of America Stadium and come away with a win. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. One of the first things I always do at the beginning of the week is go and look at uh, the offensive stats of the team we're about to play just to kind of see what we're dealing with here. And, and then I look at their defense just to kind of see what we're dealing with on that end. And for that, uh, defense-wise, through the first four games, the Philadelphia Eagles are allowing 150 yards per game on the ground. Um, I believe one of those was against Dallas, so that probably inflated the stats a bit. But that's a lot to give up. Uh, that's a third from last. That's 20, uh, 29th in the league. Uh, granted, it would help to have Christian McCaffrey in this game, but I, I was actually – uh, I wouldn't say impressed with Chuba Hubbard, but I was I was content with Chuba Hubbard. It looked like he finally got over that whole thing we were talking about before where like it was like he was seeing the hole and trying to cut towards it and he would lose his footing and fall down a lot. I don't remember him doing that Sunday. Granted, they were playing on turf uh, in Dallas, but he, ru- he rushed for like 50-some yards. The team rushed for over 100 together, which is all I cared about. If they can get over 100 yards rushing, I feel much better about the offense and it keeps the ball moving where Donald would have to throw it 50 times. Uh, this Eagle team gives up 26 points per game so far, too. So if we can concoct a, a good rushing plan of attack uh, against the Eagles, I think we'll be fine. Uh, and there might be uh, this might be a game this Chuba's coming out party uh, in terms of being a quality uh, back that can back up McCaffrey. But, man, I would have I would have loved if we had CMC on Sunday. Like yeah. that might have <laughs> that might have changed the game a little bit there. Uh because one of the problems the Panthers had was third down. They couldn't convert third downs in the second half, and that's especially that third quarter. And uh, Dallas just took advantage of it. With McCaffrey out there, it's a little bit easier to con- uh, convert those third downs. But uh, hopefully he'll be back by the Minnesota game. I know you were just in the press conference with uh, Matt Rule and others from the Panthers. Did they mention anything about uh, an update on CMC? Yeah, so right now they're expecting him to – kind of go and test things out on Wednesday during practice. So I guess that is a positive sign um, that we're going to potentially get him uh, back into the swing of things. I, I To me, I, I just don't think there's there's much of a chance that we see him back on Sunday. I mean, if he if he's just testing it out on Wednesday, I mean, I, I don't see him going full practice, you know, even once this week. So that, that would be kind of hard for me to see him playing, but – you never know. Christian's a tough dude. He's a competitor. He's going to do everything he can to get back on the field. So we'll see what happens. But he's going to give it a go, I think, on Wednesday, probably somewhat limited, I would imagine, uh, just to see what he can do. So if not this week, I would expect certainly next week is a great chance for him to return. Out of the uh, out of the teams that are still – well, actually, are there teams – Arizona's the only team left undefeated? Is that right? That can't be right. I think that is right. <laughs> I'm certainly well, we should be right, but I think it is. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I was going to say which which undefeated team surprises you the most, but uh, it's just Arizona. <laughs> um, out of the one loss teams that are out here, uh, and there are a few: the Bills, uh, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Browns. Uh, the the Raiders are three and zero, but they play uh, Monday night. Uh, Denver's three and one. 
the Chargers are two and one. They played the Raiders. Dallas is three and one. The Packers are three and one. And then you got Tampa Bay and Carolina top of the NFC South at three and one. Uh, and the Rams at three and one. Out of those batches of three and one teams, which one surprises you the most and which one doesn't surprise you at all? You know, I think the the there's really two that I think are are obvious, and that's Cincinnati being three and one and Carolina. Just because I mean, Cincinnati, yes, they did beat the Jaguars. They beat a Steelers team that has not played well really since they weren't eleven and zero last year. Oh, Ben looks bad. Yes, <laughs> that that really team bad. is really headed in a in a bad direction. But would you bench him? I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off the bottom. No, no. Would you bench Ben? I mean, what's their other option though? I mean, that's that's the only the only question I have. I don't think you know Dwayne Haskins is going to do anything. Uh, Mason <laughs> Rudolph hasn't shown anything, so. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe you do bench him, put him out there, and and you know maybe see what Mason or, or Dwayne can do. And if they don't do anything, and you're losing games, then you're setting yourself up for a top pick in the draft at least. So true. Although you might be able to get there with Ben playing. You, you know that is very true. You <laughs> might have a better chance with Ben playing. <laughs> That's right. But no, not the, no disrespect to Ben Roethlisberger, but, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Cincinnati and Carolina are probably the biggest uh, surprises at three and one. And I think the – I'm going to go ahead and say this because I think they're going to be three and one by the end of the night. Um, I think the Chargers are going to be the the one team that will be three and one and is one that I'm not surprised by mm. because Justin Herbert is a absolute dude. And I think he's got enough pieces on that offense. That defense has some, some guys, obviously, with Bosa um, and, and Hayward and a couple of other dudes. They have a legitimate team and a good enough roster to make the playoffs and maybe even win that division. I mean, they just beat the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. So, the are two and two. They're at the bottom of the AFC West right now, looking up at three teams with only one loss or no losses. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's a tough road to hoe for the and the Chiefs' defense is garbage. Like they're uh, not very uh, good. <laughs> they haven't been for a while, actually. No, they can't tackle air right now. I mean, it's it's <laughs> and it kind of reminds me. I harp on this all the time. I'm a stickler in professional sports. Professional teams have about a three to four year window, championship window. Once they either get to the championship game or win the Super Bowl or whatever their championship is, typically have about a three four year stretch before the wheels start falling off of that particular team. Um, it, it even applies to Tom Brady. His first batch of Super Bowls all came in like a four year stretch. Didn't get back to the Super Bowl for like a decade. When he got back. It was about a three, four year stretch where they it felt like the Patriots were just in there every year. Um, and it's the same type of thing. And I think we're I thought we were starting to see this with Kansas City where they're kind of in their window. But to be honest, based on that formula, they should be towards the end of that that window, because really, I kind of count the AFC championship game that they should have won and didn't because of the offsides penalty against the Patriots as year one. So it's that. And then the year they won it. And then last year they got to the Super Bowl. So now you're kind of in year four. And that's when things start happening that you don't expect. Your luck turns the other way. Bounced balls that were in your favor start going the opposite direction. It's like the fates kind of change on you. And no matter what you do, you can't get out of your own way. I could see this Kansas City Chiefs being an exciting team, but being a 500 team all year. You know, like it just. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't depend on Pat Mahomes to do everything. So uh, with with that, my surprise is actually the Baltimore Ravens at three and one. Um, I'm not quite sure how they're doing it. They've only scored 105 points, but they've allowed 92. 
uh, in four games. So each game has been skin of their teeth. Uh, we've got Lamar Jackson and you don't type of victories. And I don't know if that's sustainable. Uh, we just went through it here in Carolina with Cam Newton. And yeah. I just I just feel like I've seen this story before that something's going to happen. Lamar's going to get hurt. I think he was complaining about his back at the beginning of the week. And when I saw it, I was like, yeah, from carrying the Ravens the past three weeks, I bet your back does hurt. But uh, he um, so I, I hope nothing happens to him. But that's a surprise, especially in that division that the Ravens are three and one with all the injuries they've had uh, to be atop of that division. Tied is pretty crazy. Um, other than that, the Broncos are a little bit surprising. I know Bridgewater got a concussion on Sunday and uh, ended up losing that contest. I'm not surprised with Dallas. I kind of picked them to win that that division. Not really surprised with Green Bay. I kind of thought they might turn it around as long as Aaron Rodgers was, you know, okay. Um, that's a, really, I think it's Baltimore for me. Baltimore and Denver are the two where I'm just kind of like, why are y'all three and one? Because uh, the rest, even Carolina – it's primarily because of their schedule and their defense. I mean, that's kind of why they're three and one, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> like I have no problem whatsoever with whatever excuse my, well, you're three and one because of blah, blah, blah. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. They're three and one. That's all that matters. Um, oh, and I said, I was going to say, well, I, you know what? I'm going to be an adult and not go into the rant about the, 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 the fans and stuff. I will say this though. They may have crashed Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what happened. But they, they done and they went and did it. <laughs> the one thing I will say, I plead to the Carolina Panther fan base. Scott Fitter is a GM for a reason. And to sit at home and to pretend as if you could do his job better than him is kind of a slap in the face to all those people that actually do that job and the people underneath them that do their jobs. It's a very hard job to be the general manager of a, a professional football team. And I see people all the time going, well, they should have did this. Oh, they should have did that. You know, why they do this? Like just armchair quarterback and the whole thing. And it drives me nuts because they can't enjoy the season. Like they're constantly nitpicking at what the Panthers should be doing or what they aren't doing. Uh, all I heard yesterday was offensive line, offensive line, which is fine. The offensive line got beat up by a really good Dallas front. Uh, if it becomes a serious problem over the next couple of weeks, then yeah, they'll have a point. But up until now, Sam Darnold has kind of hidden that offensive line by just making good decisions behind it, probably because he's used to playing behind a bad offensive line, I guess. Like, he hasn't really said anything about it, but you can kind of tell it doesn't really affect him as much as it would somebody else that hadn't been playing behind a bad line. But my point is just let let the team be the team and do what they're going to do and and support the Panthers as opposed to just constantly nitpicking what they're doing and be happy for the fact that they have a winning season right now after four games for the first time in four years. Like, I just want to enjoy it. I don't want to, I don't want to predict them going to the Super Bowl or winning the conference or the division or any of that stuff. I just want them to win the next game. <laughs> like, I'm just happy. I, mean, I, I think that's the problem with not just necessarily the Panthers fan base, but pretty much every fan base is the unrealistic expectations. I mean, if you get if you really thought that the Panthers were destined to make the Super Bowl this year or to make the – I mean, most people probably didn't have to make the playoffs. I didn't right. have to make the playoffs. But, I mean, let, let's be honest. It's year two of a rebuild. It's the youngest team in the NFL. What did you expect? Like, <laughs> and, and you're sitting here at three and one. You have to be elated with that. I mean – Yeah, enjoy you know, it. Enjoy it while it lasts because who knows what's about to happen. Really? So, <laughs> um, now I, mean, I will I will say the schedule looking at it now it doesn't look as daunting as it did back right. in like May or June or whatever but having said that any given Sunday you just never know like in the NFL so 
just enjoy the wins when they come. Exactly. I mean, th- with the beating that Darnold's been taking every now and then, I mean, y- you never know. Something could happen to him, and then all of a sudden the season kind of goes off the rails. So just take it one week at a time. And, you know, I think Scott Fitter's doing a hell of a job. Matt Rule's doing a hell of a job. These two guys together, I think, are, are, the, are the best combination for the Panthers moving forward into the future. And I think with that young core that they have on both sides of the ball, it just makes sense. They have the brightest future of any team in the NFL. I really believe that uh, just because of the direction and the vision that those two have, along with all the guys they have on the roster, it just, they, they have the most, uh, the most, uh, I, I guess the brightest expectations in the future, but yeah. Um, but I, I will say this, I know he's, he's three and one with his new team, but I, I'm kind of interested on, on this real quick. What would you think Teddy Bridgewater would be, in, in in the Panthers' record, if he was still in Carolina, oh, that's a really good question. Because on one hand, like the same exact script, like everything that's happened up to this point, it was just Teddy instead of Sam, that kind of thing. Yeah. On one hand, Sam didn't trail in any game until Sunday, <laughs> so yeah. that changes your offense considerably. Teddy didn't have this defense. Um. Then again. I'm seeing Sam make throws that Teddy couldn't make. Uh, oh, yeah. Sam, Sam makes yeah, right, right in these little like tight windows. He's throwing into these windows that he'll throw it. And if it was any other quarterback from before him, I would be like, oh, no, what are you doing? But with Sam, I've gotten comfortable with him just throwing it wherever and me thinking, okay, that's probably going to be on target. Like that's a different world for me <laughs> for a Panther quarterback. Um, I don't know. And see, plus Denver's going through the same thing where people are like, well, you, you played – you know, three teams that weren't very good. Denver's got a defense. I don't think we'd be three and one though. I just don't. I feel yeah. like maybe two and two or one and three. Like we probably would have still beat the Jets. I don't know if we beat the Saints. Um, even with the game they played, the defense played lights out that day. But uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. That's a really good question, actually. I really don't know. Um, I don't. I don't know that they beat Houston. Yeah, that is Houston is, and, and I mean Houston is a bad football team. But Thursday night, I mean, it, it, let's not act like the Panthers just absolutely dominated that game. Yeah, I mean, and you lose Christian McCaffrey early on in that game. We saw exactly. Teddy without Christian last year. Um, I'd say two and two. Yeah, I'd say probably probably two and two at best. Uh, two and two, uh, and we'd be questioning why is Teddy Bridgewater still the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers? Probably because uh, he would turn in a Teddy performance. He would, I mean, because Teddy didn't really had a bad game as a Panther, like a like just stunk up the place. They were just average games. It felt like towards the end of the year, where you know he's going to throw for sixty five percent, get you two hundred yards, a touchdown, and it's probably about it. And that's not enough uh, to win in the NFL. And uh, he'd probably have a chance to win it at the end and not be able to pull it through because he did that eight times last year um, in a Panther uniform. I, I, I just think that the offense opens up a lot differently with Sam back there. I think defenses respect Sam's arm more than they did Teddy's because uh, Sam will throw it deep. Sam will throw it 40, 50 yards down the field and hit it on a dime. I don't really remember Teddy doing that last year uh, yeah. or even wanting to. It, it felt like he was content just checking it down. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with the two and two. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting because I think, you know, this entire offseason – Matt Rule and the Panthers kept saying that they they felt like they need to get a quarterback that can lead them on those two-minute drives at the end of games, at the end of halves. And I think you see it already, even in four games. And and there's not been necessarily a huge 
uh, two-minute drive just yet. But I think if you're backed up, you know, inside your own 20, 15-yard line late in the game and you have to get a score, I think you feel much better about your chances with Sam back there than you do, Teddy. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I feel better about the future with Sam there instead of Teddy. I think Sam has done enough for me to be like, I'm pretty cool with them giving him – with them already giving them the fifth year extension, because really right now he's playing for a long term contract, and so far so good. He's pretty much everything that was advertised in terms of what we were getting for him. And how old is he again? 24, 25? 24, yeah, I believe. Wow, yeah. So that's that's amazing. It's amazing to me how the Panthers have put together this roster. Just thinking two years ago, the Panthers were one of the oldest teams in the league, and for them to flip very roster, well either. <laughs> no, and they weren't playing very well. They're getting hurt all over the place, and uh, now. They're the uh, they might be the youngest team in the league uh, overall, and they've got ballers at different levels on both sides, offense and defense, that are going to be able to grow. Where you know, in a couple of years, Scott Federer will have to figure out, you know, how am I going to pay these five guys <laughs> that have blossomed yeah, that's into top players? That's a great problem to have. I'd love to have that problem. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. But Panthers take on the Eagles Sunday, one p.m. on Fox. We'll see if the Panthers can get to four and one. Uh, that game is at home in Charlotte. Uh, so Skyler will be reporting on that from uh, Sports Illustrated. You can follow him on Twitter at Callahan underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505. Although as we are taping this, there's a worldwide global outage of <laughs> social media right now. Uh, Facebook has been down since noon. Uh, WhatsApp, Instagram, all that stuff that Facebook owns, all that's still down. We're doing this at like 430 and everything's down. And now Twitter's going down too. So uh, this might be the end of the world. So this might be the last uh, <laughs> last podcast we do. If not, we will see you next week for another episode of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Networks. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.